0: And that is what this podcast is designed to do, to educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only, to learn, to teach, and to love. Love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. Today's show is one that I'm really excited about because I just did this with my friend, Jesse Golden. So if you're not familiar with Jesse, the Jesse Golden Podcast. I actually was on her show and uh, her and I become buds over the years following each other on Instagram and other places. And we finally got a chance to um, have a conversation directly on her podcast. And I loved that podcast so much and really just enjoyed speaking with her. She's just absolutely brilliant. And I loved our conversation. So I asked her if I could republish her podcast on my podcast. So you get a taste of Jesse and the conversation that we had. And she thought that was a great idea. So you're going to be listening in to uh, her podcast show and you're going to want to check her out. If uh, you don't know Jesse already, she's at Jesse M Golden on Instagram and it is the Jesse Golden podcast on Apple and Spotify and wherever your favorite podcast is. And we covered a a lot of stuff in this uh, conversation, which is why I want you to hear. We talked about stress. We talked about metabolism. We talked about mindset and purpose. We talked about uh, the issues going on with men and a bunch of other stuff. And I just really loved the conversation and wanted you to be able to uh, tap into this. And so, Jesse, thank you, my friend. And for all of you, please enjoy today's show. So, Jade, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. And I'm looking forward to having this conversation.
1: Yeah. So as I was telling you, my family and I, we've been following you for years and years and years. And I learned so much from you. I feel like you're one of the first people to start talking about the metabolism and stress. What led to you talking so much about managing stress and how important that is to weight loss?
0: Yeah, you know, um, yeah this one's a tricky one right because we usually think calories and we think that's all there is to it and partly what happened for me is just using that model and then realizing it was failing most of the time and then going okay what else is going on and that sent me down sort of this deep study into uh you know hormones and then uh i started going that's not necessarily it either and so just diving deeper and deeper and deeper into sort of the basics of physiology and what we're ultimately responding to and of course you come to this idea that okay well the metabolism is just this sensing apparatus and it's also a responding apparatus and then you have to ask the question what is it sensing and responding to yes it's sensing and responding to calories Yes, it's sensing and responding to hormones. That's actually what it uses to sense and respond in a sense or or send signals back and forth. But then you have to go underneath that and go, what is driving all of that? And that essentially is, uh, you know, the imbalances of our environment and the imbalances inside our environment. So what I mean is the things going on outside that we must adjust to and the same, the things going on inside our body that we must adjust to. And if you want to boil that down to its simplest format, that really is stress. And I know that that is confusing for a lot of people because when they think stress, they think psychological stress, right? That's what they think. But when I'm talking about stress, I'm talking about what I would call metabolic, maybe a better term is metabolic tension or metabolic imbalance or just uh, metabolic challenges. And whenever you you know, encounter these metabolic challenges, your body has to respond. In fact, it's built for that. Um, however, some of these challenges can last a very long time, right? And so from my perspective, that is ultimately what we're talking about when we're talking about stress. And that is why I began, you know, really speaking about it in a in a different way. Although, and you could probably appreciate this too, because you and I do the exact same thing. People don't necessarily appreciate that term because it's such a ubiquitous term it's so cliche in a sense and so they don't necessarily understand it because it is psychological we do have to respond to that for sure and the metabolism is responding to that in fact it might be one of the most important if not the most important thing our belief around what's happening to us but it also is these hidden forms of challenges that we honestly can't feel psychologically and so that to me is where sort of the rubber meets the road in this whole discussion. And it's why people like you and I teach and talk about it. It's also, though, why a lot of the people we teach and talk to uh, tend to miss the point because we have to really dig into what we mean by stress, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been seeing in your content lately, you've been talking a lot about trauma. And that obviously is a large overload of stress. On Mm -hmm. the system, the nervous system, and the nervous system and the metabolism are very um, intertwined. So, have you noticed any connections with people and trauma, and then health issues, weight loss, etc.?
0: Yeah, you know. So, just this is really, and I know I'm kind of speaking to the choir here. So, I want your opinion too, because we're both experts, sort of in this space. But here's what I've seen, and it's this really weird sort of uh, dichotomy. What I've seen is people who've had a lot of trauma uh, tend to do very well. And people who have a lot of trauma tend to do very poorly, right? And there's this very, so it's like, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is that there seems to be people who've had a lot of stress and difficulty and trials and tribulations and traumas in their lives who just excel and seem to have somehow built some kind of resilience, metabolic resilience, psychological resilience from it. And then there's these people who suffer from trauma, trials and tribulations who seem to be metabolically challenged and almost destroyed uh, by the trauma. And this is still something I'm trying to unpack. But to answer your question sort of more directly, to me, there's absolutely a direct correlation between trauma trials, tribulations, chronic sort of um, stress around the stories we've written about our traumas, and how it translates into how our metabolism functions. Yes, even right down to a body composition and the inability to sustain a diet maintain fat loss all those kinds of things and i know that when people hear that it's just something they just go that can't possibly be but if you just understand and i'll just briefly state this there's just one very simple way to look at this the command and control center of the metabolism is the hypothalamus the hypothalamus drives lots of different things most importantly uh, appetite regulation and cravings is, is kind of being controlled there. The hypothalamus also is the crossroads where we deal with our, uh, metabolic challenges in terms of trauma and psychological stress and things like that. And where those early adverse events that we might have in childhood tend to disrupt that crossroads. So actually, once you understand the science, you go, Oh, that's not that esoteric. You know, that actually makes some sense. There's this area that is in control of response to stress. That also is in control of response to hunger and cravings. And if you put those two together, you can see that a lot of issues we may have around food and cravings and hunger and the inabilities to to sustain or maintain dietary control and regulation and that kind of stuff absolutely are coming from the same area that we may have. Uh issues with if we had stress, if that makes sense. So once you get down to it, it actually is pretty simple, straightforward physiology. It's just that most of us don't put those two things together.
1: Yeah, I do think it's so interesting. And I would agree that it's, I think we need a more holistic approach when it comes to weight loss and health that we can't just say, oh, it's just focused on the food and the exercise or just the physical. I do think you have to look at the whole entire person, their emotional health, their Uh, their mental health. And I noticed, actually was just looking at a post of yours about the nocebo effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something I have found is that when I was suffering with, I mean, people called it adrenal fatigue and then they called it HBA axis dysregulation. Now it's like nervous system dysregulation, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. It's having a bunch of chronic health issues. And I got to a point where I realized, Oh, I'm making this worse by the beliefs I'm having about it. I was victimizing myself to the whole situation. And that was perpetuating all of my symptoms. And it wasn't until I said, I have to completely shift my identity away from this and pretend almost like I, none of these things exist that I got better so much quickly after that.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that to me is um, such a beautiful sort of uh, um, succinct way to say what we're talking about here. It's also incredibly difficult in fact i'll tell you you and i are very much alike on this and that i have this same belief but right now i'm going through as we talk right now i'm going through some really stressful business stuff stuff that i haven't dealt with in like a decade and um and i'm trying to you know sort of balance this and my girlfriend is basically she's very much into belief and communication and other things and she's having to remind me um uh to sort of look at this differently. Uh, and in my brain, I know that, but in my uh, you know sort of response, I'm having a difficult doing it and a difficult time doing it. And it's incredibly frustrating. However, what you're speaking to, and just to frame this up for the listener, and I know you educate them on this kind of stuff probably all the time, but just to kind of frame this up, this nocebo effect is this idea of You know, It's the negative belief effect versus the placebo effect, which is the positive belief effect. And it is the most powerful thing in all of medicine, the placebo effect. In fact, we can't do any good trial unless we account for the idea that people might believe just by getting a treatment that they're going to get better. And just by that belief, something like 30% of them do. And this is why we have double-blind placebo-controlled studies. So now if you understand that, as the listener to this to me and jesse having this conversation you can understand how jess and i you know have this experience where if jess is in this position where she is uh, believing negatively and catastrophizing every aspect of her health then absolutely that could be making things worse now we haven't unpacked in science exactly how this works obviously we don't actually know how the placebo effect works we just know it works but if the placebo effect works then we absolutely know that nocebo effect works. Both work. We just don't know how they work. And so we are in this sort of gray zone, I think, when you're talking to people like Jesse and me or listening to us talk, practitioners working with people, where we know it works. We just don't know necessarily know the best practices uh, to get it to work in people. We also know there are certain people who are more or less susceptible to nocebo and placebo and we also don't necessarily know if there's certain conditions that it works better for or not uh, you know what i mean so it is it is an interesting aspect of this but yes to me this is 1000 percent going on our belief is impacting our physical conditions we just don't know to what degree we don't necessarily know all the interactions and there of course could be as you know if me and you were talking five to ten years from now jess we might be saying oh like we now know that this is more prevalent for things like autoimmune conditions or uh, mental, emotional, uh, you know, sort of mood issues, but not so much for things like muscle function or whatever. Maybe we'll find out, I suspect. My guess is this permeates every aspect of our being and every aspect of our, our physiology to, from my perspective, it just needs to. However, I'm also an evidence-based guy who goes, I really want to understand this, you you know, and, you know, figure out what it is. So you and I can give uh, evidence-based approaches, but that doesn't mean that people like you and myself are not using, you know, uh, tools right now that are evidence based. For example, things like written exposure therapy, things like, uh, meditation, um, things like, uh, what I would call something that I'm developing, which is sort of this be it until you see it action in the world and actually showing up a particular way, uh, that you may not necessarily see yourself like currently, but you can play a role as if you are that thing, kind of like a method actor. And I believe these things make a profound, uh, difference on sort of our outcomes and, and, of course i want to study this stuff you know so i'm going back to get my phd with everyone thinks i'm crazy but i want to do some direct research uh, sort of in this this area i think it's incredibly powerful and i think people like you and me um are uh you know there's not many practitioners doing you know and talking about these things to be honest with you it's time to talk about one of our sponsors of today's episode ag1 by athletic greens now many of you have heard me say this before But I am not a fan of vegetables, which I know is funny given I've been in the health and fitness industry for so long. I blame my mother and father for this when I was a kid. What they would do is essentially take the broccoli, the Brussels sprouts, the spinach, the collard greens and just steam them. No salt, no fat, no taste whatsoever, just these bitter greens. And So I developed a distaste for a lot of different vegetables, which has stayed with me into adulthood one of the things I've done to mitigate that is use a greens powder pretty much ever since greens powders have come out on the market. And I've tried every single one. They started out tasting like swamp water. I found a few that I really like the taste. But recently, one that I have been taking for a very long time, as you all know, I wear a continuous glucose monitor. I found that it was actually spiking my blood sugar because probably the tapioca starch in it, which some people don't respond to tapioca starch with elevated blood sugars, I was. And so it sent me on a mission to find another one. And one of my friends turned me on to AG1 by Athletic Greens. And I've heard about Athletic Greens and AG1 for quite some time. I just never tried it. And now that I have tried it, I have become a huge fan So much so that I partnered with Athletic Greens and AG1 to sponsor this podcast. Now, let me tell you what happened here. After I saw that my blood sugars were spiking, my friend gave me a couple samples of AG1. I began using those and testing the blood sugar and found there was no spike. The other thing I found is that AG1 is interested in its taste profile. It's very neutral. The one I was taking before was a little sweet. I really loved it. But this one is very neutral, which actually suits me because what I found is I can actually not only take this first thing in the morning in water and have it taste very neutral, almost like there's nothing there. I can also add it into my protein shakes, which means now I'm getting double the greens that I was getting previously because I add this right into my protein shakes and it does not change the flavor of the shake at all. The other thing I realized once I started looking at the label is that this product is not simply a greens product. It also is a multivitamin, multimineral. It also has fiber, which acts as a prebiotic. It has probiotics in it. And it has functional mushrooms, which act as adaptogens in it. That's four different products essentially in one. And I've been taking mushrooms for some time. I stopped taking them now because now I have this in my greens. I have also taken my multivitamin and make this my multivitamin. So I'm actually saving money and this is going to save you money as well. The product AG1 is also NSF certified. And you're going to say, Jade, what does that mean? The National Sanitation Foundation is a foundation that essentially does testing on products to make sure there are no harmful substances no persistent organic pollutants, no heavy metals. Now, this costs money to do. AG1 and Athletic Greens has spent the money on this. They spend money on making sure that the product that you are getting is good quality without contamination in it. You might say, well, Jade, isn't this true of all products? And actually, no, it is not. If you ever follow some of the news in this area through con- uh, consumer labs and other things that do uh, you know testing on these products, you'll see that many of them will have trace levels of things like mercury and cadmium and lead and things like that in them because they're not doing this testing. So this is an extra piece of insurance for us. The other thing I love about this product that I learned as I was doing my research on it is that this is the 52nd tweak or adjustment they have made to this product in their existence. AG1 has been tweaked 52 times. Now you might say, well, Jade, Why would they be doing that? And the reason why is because they continue to improve. We know that science is evolving. We know that it's not just about more nutrients. It's about balanced nutrients. It's about the Goldilocks effect of this. And they are constantly learning, as we all are, and then constantly adjusting their product to taste better, to be more efficient and effective in delivering the nutrients. It acts as an antioxidant. It acts as a multivitamin. It's a prebiotic, a probiotic, and an adaptogen all in one. They have mastered this over several iterations of this particular product. And so I am a huge fan right now of AG1 and Athletic Greens. And I'm hoping that you will check this out. It's time for all of us to reclaim our health and arm our immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And AG1 does that with just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That is all you need. There is now no longer a need for a million different pills and supplements to look after your health. All you need is this particular one. It really clears the stage to simplify your supplement regime. To make it easy for you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash next level. That's athleticgreens.com slash next level to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Check out AG1. I love it. I know you're going to love it. And I'm so happy that they are on board to sponsor the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Check out AG1 athleticgreens.com slash next level and let's get back to the show.
1: I love that. You're going to get your PhD to study the impact that beliefs have on our physical reality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, my uh PhD work um is in trans is going to be in transpersonal psychology. So I'm already uh, you know, basically enrolled and I'm beginning that process. Of course, you know me, so i have been doing this research for years, but, but uh for me i want to get you know just more involved and and to me i'm definitely one of these people that goes you know you know how people say uh you got to be an out of the box thinker you know and to me i go well if you don't know what's in the box you can't think outside the box and so i want to know what's in the box and so when we talk about transpersonal psychology that is the psychology of how we uh, relate to ourselves but more importantly Like how I relate to Jess and how, you know, I relate to the environment and how those things are impacting me to a very large degree, you know, your your emotions, Jess, are contagious upon me, right? And mine are contagious upon you. And even our energy that we're bringing to this conversation is contagious upon the listener. Now, of course, there's ways that we all can talk about mitigating some of that because, yes, you know, we know this is the case in real world, but we don't want to just be, you know, sucker punched by other people's emotions all the time. So we have to work around that. And so for me, tran- this, this study that I'm going to do in transpersonal psychology is really about how we see ourselves, how we see the world and how we see our relations between ourselves and the world. Uh, because in a sense, if we get a little bit woo woo and spiritual and into some consciousness stuff, you and I are not separate in a sense. We are sort of, uh, you know, like. Uh, different tentacles in the universal octopus, so to speak. Right. So like we we have different perspectives on, on what the ocean is in our little neck of the woods, but we really are connected to this thing. And that's what this study is about. It goes right into nocebo, placebo belief effects. And then it goes right into what where you and I spend a lot of our bread and butter, which is um at least up to this point, which is you know um, metabolism and uh, physical change. That's how come I don't think you can separate physical change and physical development from personal development. So when people ask me what I do for a living, I say, I work in the fields of physical development and personal development. And uh, usually I say what a lot of people don't know is the personal development is probably the more important of those two, in, in my opinion, if that makes sense.
1: Completely agree with you. I really don't think you can see any lasting physical change or development without doing the personal development work. It's, I almost view it as identity work, which is sounds like kind of what you're saying that you have Mm -hmm. to shift who you believe yourself to be show up as that person kind of the, there's a book I still need to read it, but I was listening to a podcast about the alter ego Mm. kind of like Beyonce shows up as Sasha fierce. That's her alter ego. And then eventually you kind of become that person
0: yeah and i have i have experience with that myself i just to give the listeners some context when i was coming up in high school right and uh jess and i were talking offline before we got on with you guys about our about our siblings i have two brother two older brothers and and an older sister And, you know, my older brother was the smart one and my middle brother, this is the story I told myself, right? My older brother was the smart one. My middle brother was the really good looking one. My sister was the really sweet and kind, loving one, which left me trying to find a role for myself. And the role that I played was the dumb jock, you know, sort of tough guy image. And I played that role to such a strong degree uh, for so long that it was very difficult for me to get out of that. And you know, people often laugh that, you know, I had I barely got into college. I almost flunked out of high school, you know, because they I missed so much school. I would skip school and then, you know, go to football practice basically, because that that's that was my identity. And then right around 18 years old, I switched that identity. I started, and I didn't even know what I was doing at this. At that time, we didn't have books and research studies. I wasn't necessarily into all that. Uh, I was reading muscle magazines and stuff. And I just started <laughs> I started dressing differently. I put on glasses. I didn't even wear glasses at the time. I started, yeah, you know, I put on like, I started just dressing sharper and paying attention to the way I walked, the way I moved. I started to, you know, make sure I articulate better, you know, cause I was very self conscious about my accent at the time. And I played into this, this role. And at 18 years old, I went from essentially. Uh, not barely getting into school, almost failing out of high school. And I made straight A's through college my first year and everyone freaked out, including me. Right. And so this sort of, you know, I was just like, wait a second. Like, and it took me a while to walk fully into that. And I was like, wow, I didn't even realize I was playing a role of of a smart kid, but I didn't necessarily believe it, but I was being it until I see it. That's why I don't like the term fake it until you make it, which we can talk about, but I was being it until you see it playing this role. And of course, it showed up because I had to take actions in the world. And this is what we're talking about here. And that little anecdote works in every single aspect of our lives. I had to rewrite my story. So if you're listening to this and being like uh, health and fitness is hard for me, that's a story. If you're listening to this and saying career is hard for me, that's a story. If you're listening to this saying, personal relationships are difficult for me, that's a story. And those stories come along with patterns, patterns that repeat, obstacles that recur, emotions that stay stuck in your body. And those repeated patterns, recurrent obstacles, stuck emotions tell you and point you towards your story. And then once you uncover that, you can begin living into a different story. And that different story has different actions in the world. Obviously, if you're reading Peter Pan and you switch to you know, the, the, the seven dwarves, there's a whole different thing that's going on. And so what happens when most people are trying to make change is they go, well, I'll stay partially in the Peter Pan story and partially in the Seven Dwarfs story. No, you have to shut the book on Peter Pan and you have to open up Seven Dwarfs and immerse yourself in that story. And this is, to me, uh, the beginning of, of the magic that you have experienced when you went through your health difficulties and you were just like, I'm just not going to relate to this in the same way anymore. Same thing that's happened To me, and actually right now at 50 years old, right, I'm actually going through it again, I think, because I've had some really difficult uh, business struggles as of late. And I'm like, okay, it's hard, right? I'm like, I have to rewrite that story now. And here's another beautiful thing, Jess, and I want to see what you think about this, because I just think this is really cool. Um, Partly as I've dovetailed into this uh, personal development work, and away from metabolism work to some degree you know I, i'll always do both but as i've done that life has said okay jade you you want that like here's the new story here's the new page right and it's so as much as i trust to some degree uh sometimes i trust sometimes i don't as you go through stress you'll find you 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 vacillate back and forth oh i trust it's going to be great oh my god it's going to be horrible mm-hmm. right but it's basically that's what i'm doing right now i'm, I'm like here's the old book i was reading here's the new book I want to read. And life has a funny way of going, you said you wanted to read this new book. You said you want to be in this new story. So here you go, figure it out. And any new story is a little bit uh, disorienting at first because you don't know where it's going to go. It's far better after you finish the book and I could go, hey, Jess, you would love this book I read. It's blah, 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 blah. Versus you catch me and me and you were talking and you're like, what book are you reading? I'm like, oh, it's about, you ever catch someone when they're first in a book and you're just like, you know what? I'll ask them again after they finish it because I have no idea what they're talking about neither yes. do because they're like, <laughs> they're in this, they're excited about it, but they haven't put it together yet. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what it's like, but you have to own it completely. So I guess the the final thing I'd say about that is, you know, for any of you struggling through these processes in in what I would call the four jobs, there's really four areas, health and fitness, finance, personal relationship and purpose and meaning. When we struggle in those four things, you have to ask yourself, what, what storybook, have i immersed myself in you know am i in harry potter or i am am i in the matrix or am i like what story am i actually living from and you can't live you can't do well or make sense of life if you're living uh from trying to live from multiple stories at the same time that's why you have to get rid of these traumas and or not get rid of them so to speak i don't think it's that you have to go back and look at them and understand how they influenced your story because a lot of the stories that we live are these knots these tiny little knots that we tied in our subconscious mind a long time ago that we don't know about. You know, again, Jess and I are talking about siblings, right? Like, I, so I tied a knot of, you know, I'm the dumb little brother kind of thing. And that story, by the way, that dumb little brother story, uh, you know, uh, what's Jade's role? Like I'm not worthy or whatever that comes up. It even comes up now because I got that little kid living in me. You know what I mean? And so, and so in a sense, we have to be aware that now this is not a conversation most people have because they're just not aware that that entity like little Jesse and little Jade, right? They're still alive. We have to be in dialogue with them and they have a story. And when we get stressed and scared, their story comes out. It comes out pretty strong. And then we have to come in and step in as the adult Jesse and the adult Jade and go, Hey, you know, okay, calm down. Like I know, and we have to parent ourselves in a sense. And in doing that, we can begin to transcend some of this. And in doing that, we can begin to accomplish things in these four jobs that we uh, had not been able to conquer previously.
1: Not agree more with everything you just said. I love the book analogy. I view it, I ask myself when I'm in a state where I'm trying to shift, I say, okay, what glasses do I want to wear today? Am I going to wear the glasses that Okay, I'm going to victimize myself today, or I'm just going to stay comfortable, or am I going to wear the glasses that are have the beliefs and the thoughts and the actions of the new version of me that I want. But to your point, it sounds like you're kind of in the the goo phase of the caterpillar before it becomes the butterfly where it just feels like chaos. Yeah
0: yeah i am and i love that analogy too i'll probably steal that from you too i love that's why i like having these conversations right because we can take uh different things from each other so i'll probably take jess's glasses analogy because i like it it's like okay i'm wearing a yellow filter today or i'm wearing a red filter today or yes or i have the polarized filter on you know or i've got the very clear filter but yeah i think so i think that uh you know what i'm reminding myself is that uh you know ultimately there's, you know, there's only one real certainty in life, which is change. And change, you know, you could say change and death, but they're both they're basically the same thing. We die one physical death, but we die a million psychological deaths. At least we should. And I think I'm uh, killing off another psychological, you know, jade and hopefully birthing a new one. So I love your analogy of the butterfly too, because it's sort of just like you go into the cocoon phase, then you come out, and then you run into another pattern then you can't go into the cocoon phase again. And then you come out and you run into another pattern and you have to make these cycles. And let's face it, many of us get stuck in certain areas our whole lives. Like I have a contention and this isn't a judgment. So I hope the listener doesn't feel this way because I'm this way too. But I think we mostly die. We mostly go through our lives and we mostly die as teenagers, you know, struggling through this culture level lens of am I good enough? Did I do the thing? But when we're when we're in our power and to use your example of you know sort of the butterfly when when we're in this process it's never complete by the way but when we grow and change and grow and change and grow and change and up level mature and up level mature and gain wisdom and gain wisdom and gain wisdom we're in our next level human state and that states uh, you know about a sort of growth and not being authentic to our current self this is the mistake when you think about self-development people go be authentic to yourself and i'm like yeah, not really, because you don't want to be authentic to your current self. You want to be authentic to that future self, like what, what Jess was describing about living into that feeling state and that action state and that aligned state of her future reality, you know, the future Jess that is, you know, uh, the powerful, you know, coach and whatever. I don't know what your, you know, how you, you see it, but whatever it is that you see, you know, yourself living into that. And so we need to be authentic to that versus authentic to the other place. And when we do that, we can ease up a little bit on the culture level needs of safety, security, acceptance, and belonging. And that's what I'm going through now, by the way, right? So I just go, Jade, I know you want to be safe and secure. Little Jade, I'm talking to him, JD. Mm-hmm. you know, so I, like you want to be safe and secure. And then my, you know, tough guy, teenager self, you know, he wants to be accepted and belong. And I go, but what do you really want at, the end of your days. What you really want is you want to have grown and learned and made a difference and mattered. And in order to do that, you have to break free from that, that those other pieces. And it has everything to do with how we show up in in those four areas of life.
1: Mm. I love that, what you said about the reparenting too, because I've noticed that if I'm not aware, the way that I quote unquote would parent myself just unconsciously is by being overly controlling. That's Mm. kind of my, my mode that I can easily get into is just going into hard push grind, because that's what was modeled to me. That's how Mm. I was literally parented was you messed up, you need to go harder, get yourself in line. But that's not actually what's healing to me or that little inner child in me. So have you noticed for yourself that when you are talking to that little version of you, that you have to kind of change the way you're talking to it.
0: Yes, and actually, it's so funny because I will even get uh, into a very um, aggressive sort of stand toward life, like a you know, uh, like a competitive aspect of things. It's it's sort of like I can easily fall into the work harder, just yes. grind it out thing. Whereas the Taoist side of me uh, and, and the Stoic side of me goes, the Stoic side of me goes, relax you know, uh, you don't need to, you don't need to make this a thing. And the Taoist side of me goes, you'll know the action when the action is when you're ready for the action, right? So, you know, I, I, the to me, and this is a really hard thing, actually, it's still hard. So the listener, I wouldn't be surprised if you're just like, oh my God, shut the hell up. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's super hard because Taoism essentially says the way to, uh, f- you know, emotional freedom and sort of uh, is to, is no way. no action And, and most people when they peripherally read like taoism and some of the stuff they go that's ridiculous you know because you have to work hard and this and that whatever it's not saying that it's just saying the the action will become apparent to you when it is time and i still can't own that fully because to your point my little kid and the way i was sort of parented and just with my siblings and everything else and what to a large degree has worked for me is let's go, let's get it, let's grind, let's let, you know, you can, you know, you just work, you just work, you work, you outwork it. And I do think you can't forget as you go through this, yes, that absolutely works um, for sure, um, but what you forget is that it play, it's, it's a role in the process. It's not the process. So I would argue, and I'd be interested in what you think about this is I would argue. So like if we're talking about me and Jess and the, and you all, the listener listening to this, just think about how you were parented or what your early upbringing would be. So what will happen with Jess is there's probably an aspect of that controlling aspect of her that is useful in some way. It's at least to little Jesse or little Jess. I don't know what your little girl's name is, right? <laughs> but you know, but but at least useful to her in some degree, and probably has some use as your adult self. the The key though is to integrate it in a healthy way, and not to let it dominate in an unhealthy way, right? And so, same with me. So my ability to work and my capacity to just grind and get lots of things done really quickly is very useful. And I don't want to, so to me, one of the things is, you know, the Ru- the Russian nesting dolls, I forget what they're called, uh, you know, where there's a doll, tiny little doll, and then another yes. doll on top of that, and then another doll on top of that, right? And you kind of, and you there's sort of like these boxes within boxes, within boxes, within boxes. To me, what we tend to do is we we tend to throw out Things like the your controlling aspect that you want to have, or my sort of uh, competitive aspect and grinding aspect that we want to have. I think what a better approach is is to integrate those things. And, and the whole world, by the way, if you just look at spirituality and you look at nature, it's integrative. Everything's integrative. Like you know, the molecule has within it the atom. It doesn't. It doesn't disqualify the atom. It includes the atom. The cell includes the molecule. The tissue includes the cell. The body includes the tissue. Like it's just this. You know this never-ending thing, and nature does not dis—you know—just discard that way. It uses right, and it evolves from those those lessons. And so, what I would say to that is, I would say, what we need to do is, we need to take all the lessons because that's what makes Jess unique, and what makes Jade unique, and what makes all of you unique is that our trials, our tribulations, our pain—we don't want to discard them. Actually, we want to look deeply at them because they point towards our purpose. And we want to look deeply at them and integrate the lessons and discard the things that are uh, the the stories that are d- unuseful. So in a sense, take the experience that you've had, take the lessons from it and try to get rid of the judgment, you know, uh, around it. Right. Um, And that's very hard to do because we can't always see how the world uh, necessarily uh sees us and so we're 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 all a little bit in my mind i think we're all a little bit uh we think a little too highly of ourselves and we think a little too uh and we're a little too hard on ourselves We, we vacillate back and forth between we think we're super special and we think we're and to me i go actually we should use that because i think that's the right place to be to be like i am powerful and i can do anything i want and i'm also not special at all and in that place you find your and, and again, that's Taoism, right? Yin yang. In that place you find your your balance. The the insecurity and the sort of I'm not special keeps you down to earth and lets you know that you gotta pay attention and stay open and learn. But the the sort of arrogant part of you, the the powerful part of you goes, I will take risks because I can do it. And, and if you let either of those sides get too out of control, you're in trouble in my mind. I completely agree. It's time for one of our sponsors, and this sponsor is a very exciting one and a new one, Timeline Nutrition and their supplement, MitoPure. Now, if I was going to ask you, what is the most important aspect of metabolism? The mitochondria would have to be tops on your list. The mitochondria are the little energy producing factories inside every single one of your cells. They take the end products of the food we eat, They break them down into cellular ATP and provide energy for the entire metabolism. And these mitochondria, if they are healthy and acting appropriately, can keep us looking good, feeling good, living longer, and functioning better. However, when they are not at optimal function, when they are burning energy in a dirty fashion, when they are damaged, they actually speed cellular aging they speed up the aging process. We end up suffering from things like fatigue. We end up having all manner of dysfunctions, including weight loss resistance and other issues around weight loss. The mitochondria are the most important elements for the metabolism to function optimally, lose weight, age appropriately, et cetera. In this compound, MitoPure, that Timeline Nutrition has developed there is a product called Urolithin A. Now Urolithin A is an interesting compound because it is a postbiotic. Now what does that mean? A postbiotic is a compound that is made from the bacteria in the gut. And so when you eat things like pomegranates, strawberries, walnuts, things with polyphenols like this, they go into the digestive tract, your Gut bacteria start working on them and they can create compounds. Urolithin A is one compound that is in the MitoPure product. It comes from, naturally occurs in nature from this bacteria in our gut that break down the polyphenols from primarily foods like pomegranates, strawberries, etc., And it can increase mitophagy in mitochondria. So you might say, well, Jade, what is mitophagy? Mitophagy is the ability for mitochondria to repair and regenerate and recycle their proteins and to stay healthy and functional and de-age. When we can stimulate mitophagy, we can keep our mitochondria functioning efficiently. We can decrease aging. We can increase energy. We can improve our ability to lose weight, function optimally, and stave off diseases of aging. This is what Timeline Nutrition has done with their Mitopure product and the Urolithin A that is in it. This is a very exciting area of research. We have not had the ability to support the mitochondria in the way that we do now with this particular product. You definitely are going to want to check this out. I've been taking the product for several months now. It is one of these products that I really, really strongly recommend. To get the product MitoPure, all you have to do to, is go to TimelineNutrition.com backslash next level. TimelineNutrition.com backslash next level. And let's get back to the show.
1: I think that's really interesting. I forget who I was listening to. He was saying that he studied the most powerful or successful people in the world and they had those two qualities, that they simultaneously had a deep insecurity that they were trying to overcome, but at the same time, they felt like they were almost better than everybody else at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I struggle with both of those. Don't you? Right. I, I bet. Oh you little, yeah, completely. Sometimes I'm just like, I can't believe like this and this and this when I'm being catty and being my base level selves, I can't believe this person or that person. then I just go, oh, I'm being, I'm being base level. And then at other times I'd be like, I'm horrible. Like I can't believe, you know, I can't believe how dumb I am or how, you know, how stupid I am or whatever. And I go back to that, you know, dumb jock thing or whatever. And now I go, I think the first step to this is, and there's a whole, there's a whole, uh, therapy based on this acceptance and commitment therapy it's called and so we use this when we're you know sort of working with people that you essentially go you accept both of those sides so not only do we have to integrate our little child self and our wounded child and our and our um, rejected teenager right we have to integrate those those two we have to be in dialogue with them we have to also be in dialogue with these other parts uh, of of ourselves and you know just accept that this is partly who I am and instead of rejecting it because if you do that it's going to come out even stronger it's very much like if i tell myself you know i'm italian i love cheesecake and wine and pastas and stuff like that and if i just go i'm not having any of that stuff inevitably i binge all day every day on those things mm-hmm. instead of being like okay like you know I'll, I'll have a little bit and i'll indulge a little bit and i'll find some balance in that i think if you look the degree to which you are extreme extreme in your thought process about yourself and don't accept you know sort of these various aspects of yourself is the degree to which you will find wild swings in the other four jobs right these are the people who have wild swings in their romantic relationships or wild swings in their health and fitness pursuits or wild swings in their financial career or wild swings and sometimes they feel purposeful and sometimes they don't it's the people who you know get into this acceptance place and if you love Brene brown like i do and other people do she speaks a lot to this she just calls it vulnerability you know, for me, I call it, you know, sort of being open and available for the mess.
1: Mm, I love Brene Brown. Yeah, Mm. I think that's a really beautiful way to look at it And one of the things I think you model so well, Jade, I've seen a lot in today's online space. There's a lot of mistrust because you see a lot of people, big names. And I see this more with men. I don't know if it's just my the way I'm looking at things, but the call out culture, Mm-hmm. and people creating camps against one another. I mean, and these are grown men doing this. And then everyone has different letters behind their names. So people get very confused and say, everyone's pointing the finger. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. So how do you recommend a listener sift through that information and handle that?
0: As a yeah, that's, that's really great. We all get it, right? Um, and I'll tell you something about this. I do think this is a masculine trait. So I actually think you're correct. It's just that when we talk about male female sex, right, uh, versus masculine feminine energies, masculine and feminine energies are an I- archetype. So, we're not necessarily saying cuz I agree with you, it's it is a masculine trait. It's a masculine trait to be um segregative in your thought process, to be very logical, to be kind of competitive, to, you know, sort of uh be sort of a singular single-mindedly focused right it's the feminine quality to be more flowy more integrative more um inclusive right and so there and there are plenty of women who are having masculine type of coming at this from a very masculine perspective as well like you'll find that same behavior in women who are uh who their sex is female they're cis hetero females but also masculine in their energetics and i do think that masculine energetic of uh, call out culture and, um, exclusivity and all of that is not the way forward. It's not where we are in the world right now. I definitely am a big believer in the feminine, uh, you know, sort of archetype needs to be very much included. And it, and I do agree that from, uh, the perspective of culture, it's mostly men who have an imbalanced masculine. It's just unfortunate because a lot of women are also now having an imbalanced masculine as well. And so now what we need is males and females to balance their masculine and their feminine. Uh, And when that happens, you won't find that kind of behavior. But let me speak to it directly to your question, because your question was how do people uh, move through this dynamic? You know, from my perspective, you stay open to it. And to me, you look at, you'll find very fast, uh, it's like how I I look at politics and leaders, not to get political, but I just go, any leader who is divisive, dehumanizing, exclusive in their rhetoric is not a leader I want to vote for. And unfortunately, in our political culture in the United States, both sides and the leaders from both sides are often like that, which leaves me in a very peculiar place because I'm like, I don't like either place because they tend to be I do have my druthers in terms of who I think is worse in that regard, but I <laughs> won't necessarily get into that because I don't want to trigger people. But to me, what you can do is you can look at, in the nutrition space too, and uh, you can see who's being divisive, he, who's being dehumanizing, who's being trying to be exclusive. And from my perspective, if you find that, I would suggest humbly that you begin to um, uh, take what they say with a bit of a grain of salt. That doesn't mean... By the way, that they don't have very important things to say and, and very, uh, uh, important things that you might need to know. But the thing is, if you make that your religion and your identity, you're falling into the same trap they did. Uh, instead of going, Oh, that's interesting. I'll just take that and I'll see the rest as their insecurities. And uh, I would say find people who are a little bit more inclusive, open and interesting, you know, and you can hear it like it, there's language that is used. Um, perhaps maybe more studies need to be done Um, i'm interested in their perspective like these are the these are the ways that people who are more balanced in masculine and feminine qualities um approach things and also you know like a for example a very feminine quality is i want to hear what they have to say i'm very open to what they have to say and a very masculine fem, uh, a very masculine trait in this field would be i'm interested in the evidence right well, you know, so to me, it's like it's both. Right. So I'm like, I'm interested in what the evidence says. And I also don't think all the evidence says everything there is to say. Right. Like people like you and I, uh, you know, I were, I'm a clinician primarily. And so are you. Right. We work with people. And so the more you work with people, you realize a lot of this evidence base falls apart very quickly in the unique physiology, psychology, preferences and practical circumstances that a human brings to the equation. And one of the things I'll say for people who talk about evidence-based practice, medicine, nutrition, fitness, whatever it is, is the true definition of that actually has it right. And yeah, evidence-based practice is know the research, know the client sitting in front of you, and take their individuality into uh appreciation and also trust your intuition and clinical judgment because you'll need it. And that's really what evidence-based medicine is. And those things, when you're listening to people talk, um, you should uh you will know, be able to pick that out. I'll just give a couple examples. If you're someone you're following someone who's like, keto is the answer. It's the only answer. Everyone else is an idiot. That's an example of what I'm talking about. Or fasting is the answer. It's the only answer. Everyone else is an idiot. That's something I'm talking about versus someone who goes, you know, I really like keto because it has X, Y, and Z. I've had a lot of good practice, but you know, also paleo is great. And I certainly seen vegetarians and vegans who've done well, and there's lots of different ways to approach this. That's a different way. Now, one of the things you and I would probably agree and is frustrating for the listener is, okay, that's great, but we all know that our base level selves want safety and certainty and security. So there's something very nice about having someone go, this is the answer, the only answer. This is how it is. So I can understand why people gravitate towards those types, but invariably, inevitably, right? What happens? They find it doesn't work and, you know, and, and then they have to go find something else. And so. Yes, it's a little bit more confusing and a little bit more um, uncertain and uh, scary at first when you start trying to incorporate all thoughts and opinions. But very quickly, your identity comes uh, around—you know—this idea of, oh, I'm someone who's open to all these answers, and that's how you build wisdom. No one overcomes, you know, their their ignorance by staying uh, singularly focused in one aspect of thought, right? And we're all ignorant by nature, of course. You know, the only way to get better. Is to open yourself up. That's how it come for me. I want to learn from you. That's why I love these sort of podcasts. You know, people might say, "Well, Jade has this degree, and Jess has this degree, and Jade has this thing, and Jess has that, and Jess is ways better, right?" And I go, "There's no, no, uh, there's no uh, question in my mind that certain things you're doing, I just don't know, and I want to learn them. And there's no question in my mind, there's certain things I'm doing and saying that you certainly don't know, and I want to learn them by you and I coming together." In conversations like this, and we've kind of been buds online for a while, so we we kind of you know know each other's work. But I've certainly absorbed some of your perspective from following you and being uh, exposed to you, and vice versa. And to me, whether we realize it or not, and this is in every aspect of our lives, we are an experience and an example for the world. And when people interact with us, we are passing on some of our essence, energetics, intelligence, emotions, etc., to that other person. And from that perspective, that's how I show up and approach the world, actually, Jess. Cause I just go, my intention today is to do the best I can, despite what I'm going through and, you know, whatever I'm dealing with. My intention is to show up in a way that is a positive contribution to, uh, my personal growth, uh, their personal growth and the evolution of the world. Right. That's how come I say in my company, next level human, I'm like, we're only here for three, you know, sort of reasons in a sense to learn, to teach and to love. And to me you do that by setting your task to go i want to grow myself so that i can enrich others so that i can evolve the world that's a very by the way that's a very feminine uh you know sort of way of uh seeing things the masculine part would come in there and just be like and i want to do so by being honest being in my integrity like you know having you know, not taking on, uh, you know, being very, you know, sort of solid with my alignment and my authenticity and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, this sort of solid, rigid honor code, like let's go in this direction and both matter. What's going on, everybody jumping into the show really quick. It's time to cover a sponsor. And this is a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Let me give you a little background on this. You may not know this about me, but back when I was in medical school at naturopathic medical school, uh, I actually was a consultant for one of the leading spas and skin therapy spas in uh, Seattle, Washington. And one of my jobs there is that I was looking at research on all the things that were really good for skin. And back then, this was in the mid to late 90s, there was kind of not really much going on with skincare. And uh, this was the beginning. Of some of the skin lines actually coming out and putting botanicals and antioxidants and all of these kinds of things in their products and so these these were like topical uh supplements that people were actually putting in to their skincare lines and putting on the skin and one of my jobs was to really look at that research well we've come a long way since then the only issue is that most of these companies that are really doing a good job on this stuff are mostly for women. You don't see a lot of male uh, lines for skincare. The other thing about skincare that really kind of drives me nuts is you get these two types, right? You get these sort of skincare products that are for the masses that really have just a ton of icky stuff in them. Uh, you know compounds that you really do not want to be putting on your skin. And that's one you know, side of the equation. And the other side of the equation is these companies that are essentially putting nothing but natural agents on your skin, uh, things like coconut oil and harsh clays and this kind of stuff that even though they're natural, they can be pretty occlusive for the skin and uh, you know, cause some issues for the skin. And so this is why I'm excited about this particular sponsor. This sponsor is called Dara Labs. They specialize in male skincare. And in my opinion, they get this right. They take the best of the natural compounds with the best of current science and none of the toxic stuff goes in their particular products. And they are combining these products for men in particular. The other thing I love about Caldera Labs is they are actually doing their own testing. And so one of the studies that they have done Uh, that has been released they took 50 some men all between the ages of 35 and 65 and basically had them go through their major product line daily using their cleanser their uh, base layer moisturizer uh, and then their uh you know serum at night and after eight weeks they looked at uh subjectively what the men thought of their skin but they also used analyzing technology to analyze acne, wrinkles, um, you know, uh color disc- discoloration on the skin, etc. And what they found was an 89% improvement in radiance and luminosity in male skin, 87% improvement in fine lines and wrinkles, and more even skin tone in 85%. Now, In terms of the men actually liking what they saw, 96% reported that they felt their skin looked healthy, 91% said their skin was less dry, and 91% said they had smoother skin. Now, one of the things about this is not only is Caldera Labs using the best of natural agents and modern science, they are actually testing their stuff. So from my perspective, this is what we want. I have started using these products I'm about two or three weeks in right now. I'm really liking what I am seeing. And this is why I have partnered with Caldera Labs for you men to have a good line of skincare. I laugh about this. A lot of my girlfriends and friends laugh about this, but I love facials. I love skincare. I love anything that has to do with, you know, reducing the appearance of aging. You know, I don't know, call me a little vain, but I think Caldera Labs is getting this right. And they have a special code for you for listeners of my podcast. You can go to Calderalab.com, get 20% off their best products, use the code Jade, or you can go to Calderalab.com slash Jade. And if you're asking me, hey Jade, what should I get? Well, what I'm using right now is I'm using their base cleanser. That's the clean slate, the base moisturizer. And I use those in the morning. And then at night, I use the Clean Slate again. And then I use the serum, the good. I have pretty oily skin, so I use a couple drops of that. And one of the things I really like is they have this product called the Icon, which let's fake it, face it as we age, you know, puffy eyes, uh, you know, bags under the eyes, those kinds of things. And so I'm really keen on this Icon. I've been using this in the morning and the night under my eyes for fine line, dark circles and puffiness under the eyes. Go over to calderalab.com slash Jade. Check out what they have to offer. Use the code Jade on checkout for 20% off and definitely let me know what you think. And thank you so much to Caldera Lab for getting into the male skincare space. We've been needing you and I'm happy you're here. Let's get back to the show
1: yes i i think that's such a beautiful way and i'm going to take that from you is the waking up in the morning and saying how can i show up and i'm responsible for the energy that i'm giving the world around me yeah. and i just too often am focused on myself rather than how am i showing up and impacting it's my responsibility to impact those around me positively
0: so that's yeah, a really good and you reminder. know what i say to that that's really interesting I feel the same way you feel. is almost some guilt we have around saying I'm a little too focused on myself. What I would say to that is, when you're in your authentic alignment in terms of being uh, self-centered in that regard, but you're in your authentic alignment and in your, your and you're in your purpose, right? So what happens is a lot of people go if you're sort of self-centered in you know self-centered in the way of I want the world to give to me. That's a whole different thing than self-centered in the world of I want to grow so that I can give to the world right? And so there's nothing wrong in my mind with being self-centered in a way that I want to grow so I can enhance the world. That's sort of the next level human way of looking at it, that I'm always integrating myself and other simultaneously. And certainly that means I'm somewhat self-centered. It also means I'm also equally other-centered. Uh, and that's how you know, right? Um, you know, you wouldn't be doing this work, in my mind, you know, uh, anyone who sort of knows this knows, like, there's a lot of great things you can make your own, uh, you know, uh, schedule and time. And and that's a lot of the self-centered stuff. However, you're also putting out a ton of energy. You're exposing yourself to a lot of hate and a lot, you know, so this is definitely other oriented, you know, like, you know, when, Je- you, know, you know, case I- I'll just, you know, come to your defense here, in case you guys <laughs> don't know this, Jesse and I don't know each other that well. We have followed each other, but in case you don't know, you know, as she puts herself out and does her work, uh, she's being exposed. You know, you might love her. You listen to her stuff, but she's being exposed to a lot of negative trolling and hating and this and that and all these other things. No one, no human voluntarily exposes themselves to that stuff if it's just about them, right? They do it because uh, they they want to matter and have a sense of self-assurance and self-esteem for themselves, but they also want to have impact with you. That's what sustains it, right? Like you're not going to just... With all the, the kind of hate that's out there in the world that can come your way when you're exposing yourself and doing your work, you wouldn't be able to do it and sustain it over the long run if it was just about you, which is why I would say if you really want to know who's in it for you know sort of purpose versus ego, that's one good way to tell that they keep doing it despite the fact that they get a lot of hate. And you do. The bigger you get, the more exposure you get, the more hate you get. And you had to just take it and be like, this is this is a challenge for me to step up and keep being authentic. Life just does that.
1: Again, you're a great model for that. I think I take a lot of inspiration from you in the way that you handle those situations when you receive that hate. And particularly for the guys in my family. I think that's been really inspiring. Because I don't think, and I'd be really curious to hear your state of men in society today. It seems, I don't haven't validated the statistics but that their mental health is on the decline for men. Yeah. And from a lot of the men I love talking to the men in my life about this, why that is, a lot of them say they don't have role models. It wasn't modeled to them. They just had the toxic masculine traits that we yeah. were just talking about. What is your take on that?
0: Yeah, you got what two brothers, right? Yep. You hopefully one. hopefully one day I'll get to get to meet your your two brothers and hang. Yeah, so <laughs> love that. I, I, I do think that uh this is a yeah it's a sad place where men are but I do have to me what I think is a, an incredibly solid answer and uh you can ask your brothers whether they agree with this or not here here to me is the issue with men uh men have this deep need to just like just like I think women have this deep need now we all we all we're humans before we're males and females by the way right uh So let's just and and as humans, we need safety, security, acceptance and belonging. But what I think may be unique about men is the and this may be I I haven't figured out whether this is completely cultural and or built in, you know, sort of the genetics of differences or whatever. I have spent my, my whole career trying to understand the differences between uh the biology and biochemistry between men and women. One of the things I think I understand about men is they want to win and be of service at something and they need to see to to feel like they are winning. Uh, the worst thing you can say to a man, if you're a cis-hetero uh, female involved with a cis-hetero male, is to tell him he's a loser. It's literally the worst, th- or make him feel like a loser. Uh, you know, men want to win, and culture, in my mind, and this is the problem that men are having. Culture is a game. This is what it's like to be a man. Imagine, uh, imagine you are uh, tossed into a game that you don't necessarily completely know the rules, but you know there are certain things that you must get for people to accept you. And if you don't have those things, uh, you will be seen as lesser than. And those things are going to be like money, car, house, you know, uh, good-looking girlfriend or partner or whatever it is. And you feel like if you don't have those things or you're rejected in that way, you're somehow losing. And the problem to me with men is men are supposed to, stand for something authentic within themselves, not stand for something false within culture. And what they're doing is they're standing for something false within culture. So they're they're falling headline and sinker into this hook, line and sinker into this game, this false narrative of you got to work and you got to be powerful and you got to be strong and you got to be a monster and you got to be a dangerous, but you got to have that under control and you got to make money and you got to have a nice car and you got to have these things. And if you don't do that, you're not a true man. Right. And to me, I go, no, a true man is simply a man who knows who they are, knows what they love and steadfast chases that. Whether that's gardening, whether that's being an artist, whether that's just being out in the woods with, you know, an axe and a saw, whether that is being a nurse, whether that, whatever that is men need to own what they love and they know what it is when you know when it's there they just also go i can't love that and do that and also have all the things that culture says will make me a man culture cannot define you as a man what defines you as a man and as a human i'm speaking to women too as you saying this is who i am in the world i'm a unique spiritual fingerprint i have a unique of uh, time i'm in, in in the history of humanity that i'm here I occupy a unique space. I'm unique in my personality, my pain, my passions, my superpowers, right? my personality. And I own that. And I have this deep need to do something that I love and know I can do in a way that only I can. And I will do it regardless of what culture says is valuable about that or not. And as soon as I uh, don't tap into that, don't find that and or abandon it, I will be miserable. I will put myself in an incredibly difficult state. And I'll give you an example, and then I'll shut up. But I'll give you an example for my father. My father, to me, epitomizes what a man is. Now, he decided when he had his first child, my oldest brother, that he was going to be the best father that he could be. And what that meant for him was move out of New York City so that you know he stopped drinking and hanging out with his buddies, go down south to North Carolina, uh, work at a bank. Uh, ask, you know, uh, get his schedule so that he could go in at 6 a.m. and get off at three so he could be at all his kids' practices. There was not a practice that he wasn't at for me and my brothers and my sister. He took an hour and a half to be with my mom, uh, for every lunch, which, you know, I oftentimes wow. joke that I'm going to tell, you know, that was against the rules, but he did it <laughs> throughout the 30 years he was at this particular bank and he used all his income. He has no retirement because he spent it on us sending us all to school. Uh, and he's the most respected, well-loved man that i know right uh people love and respect my father he's the epitome of man he basically people people still come to him that i'm not even friends with from high school and go see my dad you know because they're like this was my father too right Uh, and 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 my father to me is a very purposeful now none of that looks good from culture's perspective we start. He started out as uh, solidly upper middle class when he had my older brother. Then he was middle class. By the time my sister came along, by the time I was graduating from high school, we were lower middle class because my dad was pouring everything into his kids. But we weren't lower middle class in terms of love, in terms of a father that was there for us. Right. And the legacy of that, the, the fact that my dad played his own game. And that's what men need to do. They're struggling because they're not playing their own game. I'm not saying go be my dad. Go be what your essence tells you to be. Make the choices for what you want to do. And when you're living from that place as a man, and it's the same for women. Right. I just think men suffer from this a little bit more because we are still, unfortunately, in a male dominated culture. You know, I really do like people might get mad at this, but to me, I'm like, there is such a thing as masculine toxicity. We are in it. Men are dominating. They, you know, they they still dominate our culture. We need that to end in a sense. We don't need it to end by women being toxic masculine. We need it to end by males and females balancing their masculine and their feminine and a male that is completely in culture level mindset can't do that in the same way that a woman is, that's in completely culture-level mindset can't do that. So the idea is play your own game. And when you do, you escape the matrix. That to me is the matrix. The fact that you think you got to play this culture-level game, it's not built for you. You got to decide your own game and you have to play it out fully. And when you do that, no one can take that away from you. And and you're shielded in a sense from everything. You know, when I started... uh medicine i was looking at i was going to go to conventional medical school or naturopathic medical school this is going back to 1997 right and back then like it's all popular now but back then you know it was like i was a witch doctor and a quack and i just said i'm going to be a witch doctor and a quack which is why today when someone calls me a witch doctor and a quack i go yeah you're right because i I chose i chose that like i am a witch doctor and a quack and i love it (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i love that too because they they can't own anything about you then because you're owning that within yeah. yourself yeah that is and from a a straight woman's perspective that is actually the most attractive thing i find in a man is when mm. he just he has his own values not what everyone told him to value his own values and he's willing to live according to them and get uncomfortable when necessary to stay in congruence with those values to yeah. me, there's just inherent trust and safety in a man like that.
0: Yeah, and so I think and same with me with a woman, mm. uh, I would be most attracted to a woman like that as well.
1: Ah, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, this topic fascinates me because I do think we've women have become over masculinized in that toxic masculine side mm. as well. Um,
0: yeah, and you know what? Uh, I I just had I, my ex-wife and I just had we just did a podcast on this together with uh, Jill Jill Coleman's my ex-wife and uh, our good friend Danny J. And um, one of the things we were talking about is that that idea of you know sort of a more masculinized woman, thank God for those women who did that, right? because they needed to to battle the the toxic masculinity that was there. I just think and perhaps I'm wrong and you know uh, I won't speak for women and women can maybe you know think you know say this is good for them or it resonates or not, but I go, those women uh, thank God for them because they they did get, you know they did allow women to get to where they are in culture. Uh, and however, now I think it's time to go back for, uh, you know, to that, that balanced masculine feminine in, in both, in all of us, you know, uh, regardless of how you, by the way, regardless of how you, uh, orient in terms of your sexuality, like, you know, these are just archetypes, you know, it's not male, female, it's just masculine feminine archetypes.
1: Mm -hmm. That integration of the feminine that you were talking
0: about. Yeah, Yeah. 100%.
1: Well, Jade, I was not expecting our conversation to go this direction. I had some other wellness things for you, but we'll save that for another podcast at another yeah, time. Yeah, we,
0: we definitely have to do another one. You, you and I definitely think along a lot of the same lines. But uh, Yes. This yeah, super fun.
1: was long awaited for me, something I've had on my list for a long time. So where can people follow your work and how can they work with you right now?
0: Yeah, you. Uh, right now, uh, I'm on social media like all of you, right? So at Jade Tita, uh, Jade like the stone, J-A-D-E-T-E-T-A, uh, on all the social medias. I have a website, uh, jadetita.com. And like Jess, I have a um, podcast. It's called The Next Level Human Podcast. And that's the place to uh, look at me there. And if you want my metabolism work, if you know me from that space, metabolic.com is where to get me. So Next Level Human .com, .com, metabolic.com, jadetita.com. And yeah, I just love your work too, Jess. Thanks for for what you do, seriously. And uh, hello to your family and thanks for having me.
1: Oh, thanks for coming on, Jade.
0: You have been listening to the Next Level Human podcast with Dr. Jade Tita. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe and consider leaving a review. You make the biggest difference when you pass on your lessons and inspire others. That's why reviews like this are so powerful. Your words may be the only ones that resonate for someone else. Please remember the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. Always consult your personal physician or therapist before making any lifestyle changes. And finally, thank you for who you are in the world and the difference you make.